turning to John chapter 8 tonight. John chapter 8. And I would mention to you again, if you need Iris Johnson's address to send her a birthday card this week. She'll be 91 on Friday. Um, I have little slips with her address on it. If you don't uh, have your uh, church directory, um, I'll be glad to give you one. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Father, we thank you for these wonderful words of life. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to <clears throat> come and study them together. To think about just how far they reach and how uh, critically important they are. We thank you for each one who's come tonight. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people. When so many, if not most, churches are, are dark tonight. We thank, thank you that not only are the lights on here, but so many of your people find it in their hearts. They find the drawing of your spirit to be here and to meet with you, and we thank you for them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we want to try and conclude our study of these words of the Lord Jesus. We've come here as part of our study of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. And because of the connection between what Paul said there and what the Lord Jesus says here. Paul said in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The message of those words is that if we do not stand fast, if we do not stand firm in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, then we'll be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's what the Lord Jesus says here. If you continue in my word, his word is what we are to stand fast in. His word, the truth, the word living, the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth, his word, his word written, is what we're to stand fast in. It's what's made us free. And if we do not stand fast, if we do not continue in it, then we'll be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We'll lose our freedom. And I believe that these verses, we've said this before, but I believe it's true. I believe these verses, more than anything else, explain why we are losing our freedom in this country. We've not continued in the Word of God. We've not continued in the King James Bible. The Bible, interestingly enough, upon which this nation was founded. In our last four messages, we have seen how it is those who name the name of Christ in this hour who are removing the King James Bible from their churches in favor of these other versions and 
encouraging and teaching other churches and pastors how to do the same thing. We're seeing exactly what the Spirit of God warned of through the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. That not only will there be grievous wolves entering in from without who will not spare the flock, but also of your own selves, Paul said, shall men arise speaking perverse things. We've looked at some of those perverse things in the last few messages to draw away disciples after them. This is why churches are not continuing in the Word of God. And we'll see something about that again tonight. I guess in a way this message may be something of a continuation of the other four. But the result of all this is a nation who no longer knows the truth. We believe the lie, a number of lies. And the result is that we are losing freedom. We've talked about the lie of climate change and how that lie has become the basis of government policy that is dictating and controlling many, many areas of our lives, the products that we buy. From automobiles, I was reading this week, I can't remember the state, but another state, and there are several of them, there are blue democratic states that are passing laws banning internal combustion engines by the year of 2035, by the year 2035. Well, good luck with that. I hope the folks in those states have good shoes because they're sure going to need them because they're going to be walking a lot. It, everything from automobiles to light bulbs. But we've talked about that. We're not going to talk about it again tonight. But what about the lie of abortion? That it's nothing more than a woman's right to choose. It's a woman exercising control of her own body because the baby is just part of a woman's body, like any other part. This kind of thinking, this lie justifies abortion as a medical procedure, like having a gallbladder or appendix removed. But an article from Answers in Genesis points out the baby does develop inside the body of the mother. And the body of the mother does experience major changes. But the baby is not part of the mother's body. A pregnant woman's body does not have four arms, four legs, and two heads. Abortion destroys the baby's body, not the mother's body. Think of how babies have been dehumanized by using terms like embryo and fetus and even a blob of tissue. This deception is used in conjunction with lies about when life begins. One of those lies being that life begins at quickening. Quickening is a term that describes when a pregnant woman starts to feel her baby's movement in the womb. That typically happens at 16 to 20 weeks, though some moms can feel their babies move as early as 13 weeks. 
But the message is that if you have an abortion in that time frame, then you haven't taken a life because life has not yet begun. And so there's no need for guilt. There's no need for regret. If we had just continued in the Word of God, we would know the truth. And the truth is that God is the author of life. Beginning with the first life. Look back to Genesis chapter 2, if you will. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I believe this is the definitive verse as to when life begins. If you look this word formed up, it specifically means to form individuals at conception. To form individuals at conception. At the very moment that God formed Adam, at the very moment he conceived Adam, at that moment, the moment of conception, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to look at a, a good number of scriptures tonight on two subjects that we want to try to cover, abortion being the first one. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God says before, he says to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, that word formed is the same word that we just read in Genesis 1-7. So here we are, 3,375 years from Adam's creation, from Adam's conception, if you will, and the Lord has not changed His method. He's still forming individuals at conception. And at the moment of conception, He is breathing into their nostrils the breath of life, and that child, every one of them, beginning with Adam and every child since, at the moment of conception, becomes a living soul. And it's like that because God is not a respecter of persons. What he did for Adam, what he did for Jeremiah, he's done for every child that's ever been born. We won't turn to it, but this is further illustrated in Psalm 139 and verse 16. 
where we read, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written. Think about that. Which in continuance, that, that, that phrase, in thy book all my members were written kind of ties back in with what the Lord tells Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I knew thee. I knew you down to your very members, which in continuance were fashioned. That is the same word that's translated formed here in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 and in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. The message of Psalm 139 and verse 16 is that God has all our members written in his book. That's how detailed that he knows us. And God fashions and he forms every child in the womb just as he formed Adam, just as he formed Jeremiah. He is not a respecter of persons. And at the moment of conception, God breathes into every child's nostrils the breath of life. And that child becomes a living soul. That's God's word. If this nation had just continued in the word of God, we would know the truth. And the truth would have freed 65 million babies in this country from death. This is how important continuing in the word of God is. Another area where we have not continued in the Word of God is when it comes to homosexuality. We've talked, as I said a few minutes ago, in our recent messages, I think it's four of them, how that the King James Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, preserved Word of God. And what you find, if you compare these other versions to the King James Bible, is a pro-homosexual bias in them. And I want us to see that. Turn uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy chapter And look at verse 17. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 17. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Notice the word sodomite. That word means homosexual. It's connected with Sodom, that's where the word comes from because that was the sin of Sodom, homosexuality. If you look the word Sodom up, you find something interesting. It means burning. And that has a, a, a double implication, if you will. This burning that is the meaning of the name of Sodom brings to mind the burning of the fire of God from heaven. The fire of God's judgment that was poured out and destroyed the city of Sodom 
Sodom means burning. And that is what took place there. But that meaning burning also brings to mind something that we read in Romans chapter 1 and verse 27. Where homosexuality is described this way. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly. Isn't that what the men of Sodom were doing? Genesis chapter 19 and verse 4 says, But before they lay down, and, and that they there is referring to Lot and his family and the two angels who had come to Sodom at even, and, and Lot had brought them into his house. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That word know means to know them carnally to know them sexually. The men of Sodom were not only burning in their lust one toward another. They were burning in their lust toward these two angels, these two men who came into Lot's house. Homosexuality was the sin of Sodom. And that's why that word has always been synonymous the word Sodom, it's always been synonymous with the, the sin of homosexuality. In fact, it's been the very definition of it. Webster's Deluxe Unabridged Dictionary of 1983 defines sodomy as any sexual relations regarded as abnormal. Abnormal. You can kind of see Romans chapter 1 in that word abnormal. It's that which is against nature. It's against nature. For a person to be a homosexual, they not only have to fight against God, but they have to fight against the laws of nature and nature's God, what He has put into them. So you can see that in this word abnormal. So sodomy is any sexual relations regarded as abnormal as between persons of the same sex, especially males. And so this word sodomite that we see here in verse 17, it's a very strong word. It's a very important word. God is making clear here that there shall be no sodomite, no homosexual of the sons of Israel. And it's like that because homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. Leviticus 18 and verse 22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Whenever we read that word abomination in the Bible, it ought to raise a flag in our minds. Because it describes something that is hated by God. In this case, homosexuality. But these new versions of the Bible are not continuing in the Lord's words when it comes to homosexuality. 
The New King James Bible changes the word sodomite here to perverted one. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a perverted one of the sons of Israel. The English, uh, the NIV rather, says in Leviticus uh, 23, 17, no Israelite man or woman is to be a shrine prostitute. The English Standard Version, the version that Brian Sams, we've talked about him in a couple of messages That's the version that he's trying to transition churches to from the King James Bible. The English Standard Version that Pastor Kerry Schmidt used at the Christian Educators Convention a few weeks ago to explain the passage that he read from the King James Bible. And so the English Standard Version says, None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute. And none of the sons of Israel shall be a cult prostitute. Now turn over to 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. And look at verse 24. We're reading about the condition of Judah and under Rehoboam. And notice what we read in verse 24. And there were also Sodomites in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Notice that the word sodomites, homosexuals, is connected to the word abominations. God describes that as an abomination. And that connects that verse back to Leviticus 18.22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. The New King James Bible changes the word sodomites to perverted persons. 1 Kings 14.24 in the New International Version says, there were even male shrine prostitutes. There's the removal of the word sodomites. There were even male shrine prostitutes in the land. The people engaged in all the detestable Um, things of the nations which the Lord cast out before Israel. Notice that change. They changed the word from abominations to detestable. Now, the word detestable might be a synonym for the word abomination, but it doesn't carry the same force of weight when you read it. It doesn't convey, I I, I just don't believe that it conveys the emotions of God toward this sin that the word abomination does. By the way, the NIV makes the same change in Leviticus 18.22. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable. No, God says it's an abomination. 
And so the NIV removes the offensive message from this verse. There were even male shrine prostitutes in the land. The people engaged in all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. 1 Kings 14.24 in the English Standard Version says, And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land. The word sodomites has changed to male cult prostitutes. The ESV does leave in the word abominations. Now look over a page at 1 Kings chapter 15. 1 Kings chapter 15. And let's read at verse 11. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. And he took away the Sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. The King James, the new King James, again, changes the word sodomites to perverted persons. The NIV changes sodomites to male shrine prostitutes. And the English Standard Version changes it to male cult prostitutes. But in all three of these versions, and, and there's, there's other versions that we could talk about, they take out the word sodomites. Chapter 22 of 1 Kings. Chapter 22. And verse 45. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat and his might that he showed and how he warred, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And the remnant of the Sodomites, which remained in the days of his father Asa, he took out of the land. The New King James Bible changes that word Sodomites, again, to perverted persons. The NIV changes it to um, male cult prostitutes. The ESV does the same thing. They're taking out this word sodomites. One more. 2 Kings 23. 2 Kings 23. And verse 7. We're reading here in 2 Kings 23 about um, Josiah. And we read... In verse 7, and he break down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. Again, New King James takes out the word Sodomites, puts in perverted persons. The NIV takes out Sodomites, puts in male shrine prostitutes. The ESV changes it to male cult prostitutes. Now, we've just read every 
reference in the Old Testament where we find the word sodomite or sodomites. Every verse, if you will, that refers to homosexuality. That uses the word sodomite for a reason to tell us that we're talking about the same sin, the same sin that was going on in Sodom that we read over in the New Testament. They were going after strange flesh. Strange flesh. Men with men working that which is unseemly. When you read the word sodomite or sodomites, it's taking your mind back to Sodom. Making the message very plain and clear. And in each case, the New King James Bible and the New International Version and the English Standard Version removed those words, sodomite or sodomites, from every one of these verses. They've completely altered the message. Imagine a pastor reading these verses from one of these versions in church. And a child hears them and asks his parents, what is a perverted person? What is a male shrine prostitute? What is a male cult prostitute? And the parent isn't exactly sure how to answer that question. And so they say something like, well, you know, we don't have idol worship where they have male shrine prostitutes or male cult prostitutes. We don't have anything like this in this country. So there's no need for you to worry about that. But if the pastor had read these verses from the King James Bible, mom and dad, they don't have to be scholars. They don't have to be experts in Hebrew. They know exactly what sodomites, they know exactly what sodomy is. It's homosexuality. And they could use these verses and teach their children that it's an abomination to the Lord. And they could explain that God did not want any man in Israel or anywhere else to be a sodomite, to be a homosexual, because it's an abomination to him. They could explain that one of the manifestations of the apostasy and the rebellion in Judah was the presence of sodomites in the land, homosexuals thriving in the land. And they could then explain that whenever there was revival in Judah, whenever there was revival under godly kings like Asa or Jehoshaphat or Josiah, they took the sodomites out of the land. They break down their houses. But that message is lost in these new versions of the Bible. In churches, Bible preaching churches, and, and this is what is so sad. Churches that were once fundamental in their stand are being transitioned to these other versions. And when they come to these verses, they're not going to read sodomite or sodomites. They're going to read uh, male shrine prostitute or male cult prostitute. The result is that the truth is not preached. Homosexuality is a problem in this country, and it's spreading. 
There are families in this church, mine being one of them, who know the heartbreak of having a loved one caught up in this sin. Families divided because of this sin. Families divided because there are those who take the Lord's side and they stand against the loved one. And then others in the family who won't take the Lord's side. And they enable and they acknowledge and they in effect recognize the sinful relationship because blood is thicker than the book. Homosexuality is a problem in this country. It's being promoted. It's being protected by the government. Protected by the government to the point that it has been brought under the umbrella of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And the result is that we're losing our freedom to preach what the Word of God says about homosexuality without being accused of discrimination, without being accused of violating the civil rights of the homosexuals. That's why more than ever, in the face of these lies, in the face of the conditions that we face in this country, the Lord's words in John 8, 31 and 32 and Galatians 5, 1 are so critical. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I hope we'll do that. I hope we'll continue to do that at this church. No matter who knocks at the back door. No matter what kind of problems it creates. The truth has to be preached. And there are those that the Lord expects. He's put us. It's amazing that the Lord has put us here in this time period to preach his word, to, to, to not just preach it here, but to preach it out in the community, to give out the truth. That's what this nation is in such dire need of, is to hear the truth of the word of God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that we can look into your word. We thank you that you've given it to us. We thank you that it says what it says and it means what it says. And we pray that you would help us to stand for it. We pray that you would help us to preach it and not compromise it in any way. Even though that's the easy thing to do. We pray that you would help us. Help this church to stand for you until you come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.